Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where usually we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest as we look back on the year in television for 2022. I'm your host, Bill George. With me, as always, AJ Rebecca and super producer, Craig Stanton. How are you? Hey, Bill. How are you? Good, AJ. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Life, life goes on. Love that. What's up with you? I see you. I mean, for people who are listening, you can't see it. But Bill has reconfigured his podcasting room. It looks like you get some mm-hmm. free weights yep. in the corner, a Peloton. Yeah, I redid my office to be quasi home gym as well as podcasting area. Uh, I know Craig's oh, a little Jesus. nervous because of the increased echo ha- with furniture being removed, but hopefully y'all can hear me okay. Cannot say but ha- health is wealth, Craig and Bill. That's correct. So what's the plan here? Going for a hard body type situation, Christ abs, trying to bulk up. What are we? What are we? What are we going for? Should I go lift it? <laughs> AJ, uh, a wise man once told me that summer bodies are made in the winter. They sure. Who was that person? <laughs> that was you, AJ. It was, which is quite ironic, because I am built like a <laughs> trash barrel. Um, okay, a lot of. <laughs> listen, I know we're going to bring in Melissa shortly, but I feel like we're going to catch a lot of flack this episode. Yep, because. And I think you're going to agree with me. We get a lot of people, friends, family, coworkers, that are like, I should be on your podcast. I have good takes. Like, what the fuck? What, is, what does it take for me to be on it? And we've always said, no, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Never going to happen. And then we bring in Melissa. So what? what is your, um, as creator of the podcast and the website, what's your message for those people out there? Um, they're not good enough. They need to work on themselves. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Uh, you know, we, you know, we'll get into the TV piece, but, uh, you know, we wanted to talk about TV from the year, uh, in addition to our usual things. And Melissa was the natural choice. So we'll definitely get into that. Well, yes. And we love Melissa and Melissa's great. And there are people who watch TV and then there's an echelon of people like Melissa who knows everything about TV. So I think we brought the right person on to recap. Uh, last year in television. Okay, uh, before we get into that uh, recap, what's been going on? How are you? Couple things I wanted to respond to from the last episode. One is a correction. So I had said mark your calendars for July twenty seventh, twenty twenty three, as a big date in which Christopher Nolan's next film Oppenheimer and Greta Gerwig's Barbie come out uh, at the same time. I was wrong. I was off by a week. It's actually July 21. So I just wanted to correct that for the records, and I apologize. Oh, God. i got to change my plans. The other thing from last week, okay. I had predicted in my review of Megan that they were going to sequelize the hell out of this movie. And in the subsequent weeks, they have confirmed that a Megan sequel is on its way. So just wanted to, just wanted to gloat on that one. Meforgan. Do you think they'll do the same letter motif with the... Yeah, I bet they could. I bet they could. Matugan? No, it would have to be a different... It would have to be a different... What does the name. three represent movie-wise, or is it just... Like software version? Well, they, I believe they already said it's going to be called Megan 2.0, so I guess they would probably just list it after the fact. But still, we're keeping the three? Mathegan 2.0? Maybe. I mean, they got it, right? For consistency. I thought it was going to be something like Anna and like the A's are fours or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. These people are fucking idiots. I mean, they already missed the boat on Scream 5 with the the S not being the five. Like that was... We will be referring to this movie as Matugan. Okay. Understood. Understood. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And the last thing, uh, Craig wanted to bring something up this week. 
Whoa. Yeah, I know. Big shock. Big news. Uh, my fiance and I have begun watching Star Wars. And I know that that's not a very uh, exciting piece of news. However, my fiance has, for all intents and purposes, never seen a Star War. And I have only, I think, seen the original trilogy, right? So we started watching, but where we started, I think, was potentially a topic of good discussion, which is we actually started with Andor. And from Andor... Interesting. I know. Whoa, you did the correct chronologic. No, no, no. Correct chronologic would be... No, no, no. You didn't at all. This is a dumb idea. No, no, no. You're a fucking idiot. Relax. So let me just tell you. So we went, we, the, the, the ramp, like the on-ramp that we have taken is awesome. The question is, where do we go from here? So we went from Andor straight into Rogue One, which was sick. Naturally. Naturally. The only yep. problem is all the actors look slightly younger, even though they should be looking slightly older, but whatever. As long as you get past that, it's fine. Yep. And then yep. you go right from Rogue One into New Hope, episode four. Of course. Which has also been sweet. Um... I assume that the next things we're going to watch is the following two movies in the original trilogy. The question is, where do we go from here? Slash, do I just completely abandon anything that, in terms of the story, like, do I just pretend that episodes one, two, and three don't exist and anything that becomes before? No, you can't do that. Yeah, absolutely not. Really, the question is, where do we go from here? So, panel, discuss. All right. AJ, you go first. You did it the... You did it the wrong way. There's two ways you do this. Well, you I can't in- go back. So <laughs> I can't change history. Well, okay. Well, first of all, my first comment is telling you that you're a fucking idiot and you did it wrong. Because the only two ways you can do it is in the correct chronological order, starting with Phantom Menace. And then... Chronological meaning per the per story. Per the story. Not Episodes when they one, came two, out three, then life. New Hope, and then into JJ's clusterfuck. Or you did it how it was theatrically released, where you go five, six, seven... One, two, three, seven, eight, nine. But then how do you the deal with the series? You... How do you deal with the Rogue Ones, these side side plots? Yeah, okay. Can, may I jump in? <laughs> I, my take is you did everything right and you just stop. <laughs> Andor, Rogue One, and A New Hope are literally the only three properties that I think are worth watching. What? In the Star Wars universe. Like, you're, you're good. Like, you're all set. You got the best of the best. No, well, you got to figure out, you know, you got to see. No. Oh, no. Oh, no, you... It's only downhill from here, Craig. Like, buckle up. At least watching how Anakin kills a room full of kids is at least worth the 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 bit of the first three nah, movies. Nah, nah, it's all trash. You need to see how Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader. Like, you have to. I'm sorry. Spoilers for Christy, who, like I said, has not seen a single Star Wars and is a longtime listener of the show. Very loyal listener. Actually, in retrospect, this might be a hot take, but after seeing 789... One, two, three might be actually better than seven, eight, and nine. Lucas's prequels might be actually better than JJ's sequels. But then I feel like I should have done one, two, three, and or Rogue One, four, five, six. That's what I'm saying. Like now that I'm rethinking of it, that's probably what you should have done. Yeah. You probably could have. Or just go release. I usually, like, if I'm going to do Marvel, I do release order. That's how it was created. That's how it was intended. That's how every audience member absorbed it. So I usually go release order if there's a question. Wait, hold on. Release order for Marvel only gives you the bang for your buck because the post credits the post credits line up. I actually like it the other way because I made my brother do it. Is watching it in chronological order, starting with Captain America. Nah, then your post credits are all jacked up. You you know all the other movies are coming out anyways. You don't need to watch the post credit scenes. No, no. I like I like release order. But just to encapsulate what you said, Bill, by my like sort of random and arbitrary decision making, I have stumbled across the three 
only, in your opinion, worthwhile properties in the entire franchise? Yes, correct. That's fantastic news. Great. Good to know. All right. I'll just maybe, maybe I guess, pull the ripcord and just get out of the whole franchise was yep. not uh, an option I was considering, but maybe I'll uh, take that under advisement. I would, cons- I would consider it. <laughs> That's my topic. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, so, AJ, last episode, we recapped the year in film for 2022. Yeah, we did. Because this is primarily a film podcast. Sure is. But we do spend time talking about TV shows that we're watching or looking forward to in our Netflix and Bill segment. So now that the Golden Globes made their pick for best shows of the year, I thought we would spend an episode recapping the year in television for 2022. I love that. But we're amateurs at best, I would say, when it comes to talking TV. Trash. So as you mentioned, we have a special guest joining us today, Melissa Childs, friend of the show, longtime friend in real life. She has always been our go-to person when it comes to all things television. So she's here to discuss the Golden Globes, whether they got it right, and let us know what we may have missed last year. will take us through the whole year. So thank you for being here, Melissa. Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys for having me. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Seriously, I'm, I'm very excited to dig into TV. Melissa, I got to ask you right off the bat, what, what do you think in your own words um, makes you our go-to person for TV? It's a great question. I mean, besides the fact that I watch so much of it and like I pride myself on being able to binge a whole show series like in a day um, or season like yes there's that aspect but I I would like to say that like my knowledge of like celebrities and like all of that culture like plays into it so I tend to know a lot of like the behind the scenes, like why people were picked, like, you know, some of that. And then um, just I dive into social media, too. So like after big shows like they played, I like to see what is Twitter talking about, like what is being posted about on like Instagram, things like that. So I think besides just myself, like watching it, like I've got the research and I know kind of the like useless facts, as some people would say. But in my eyes make for a good television watcher. That folks right there is why she's on the show and you are not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I want to start with the Golden Globes, you know, and for those that may get all the award shows mixed up, because this is the time of year where there's one basically every night. uh, The Golden Globes aired a couple weeks ago. It gives awards out for both film and television. They're voted on by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, a corrupt organization, I would say, but regardless... Uh, they're not the most prestigious awards in any given medium because you have the Emmys for TV and the Oscars for film. But the Golden Globes, still noteworthy. They act as a precursor for those other shows. They still get a lot of attention. AJ, I know, watched like the second half of the broadcast. I did not see any of it. So we'll get into winners and losers. But just from a TV broadcast perspective, Melissa, I know you watched the Globes. How was it? Was it worth watching? Were there any highlights, dramatic moments? Any, Any major takeaways from you? Um, I mean, like in the famous saying, like this could have been an email is like kind of how I felt (laughs) about the Globes, honestly, like it had some great moments in terms of I think the winners were like, I agree with a lot of the winners. And I absolutely love that Jared Carmichael was the host. Like I've been a fan of him for years. And I think he's like, finally getting the credit he deserves in this past year. So I was happy for him. I think some of his jokes like really landed, but you're kind of sitting there at hour three and you're like, what 
am I still doing here? Like, even the actors and actresses are like, I don't want to be here anymore. And they're drunk at that point, too. So (laughs) it's like if Zendaya wasn't there, like, why did I have to sit through three hours of it, you know? Uh, Yeah, how was, you know, I've seen... Rathaniel, right? Is that the name of the special for Jerry Carmichael? I've seen that. It's very good. Yeah. How was he as a host in terms of did they deploy him much? I know for the Oscars, they usually have the host do the monologue and then you never see them again. So I didn't know for the Globes if he actually hosted per se or if it was more of a stand-up. Yeah. I mean, he did his monologue in the beginning and then they kind of like dropped him in here and there to do his little one-liners. Like for me, that I was laughing at some of them. Some of them, I, I again, like I don't know if they hit but like you have to kind of know his comedy so for me i was like okay this is great uh you mentioned you agreed with a lot of the awards so let's dive into that um in your expert opinion did the globes get it right uh and if you can remind us what was nominated for because the globes also differently than most other shows separate their shows from best comedy slash musical or best drama so there was two categories to get to go over in terms of best tv shows of the year Take us through it. What were, the, what were the nominees? And do you think the winners were rightfully picked? And then I'm sure AJ will have strong opinions. <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely think they got it right. You know, like for drama, we saw things like Better Call Saul, The Crown, Ozark, Severance, which I know is a big one. And then House of Dragon, which was ultimately the winner. I know there's been so much buzz around that. I've started it. I think it's going to be enjoyable the more I go through. Um, and then, of course, for comedy, like... That one was a really tough category. We saw hacks, like murder, only murders in the building, The Bear, another one I know that we're all a fan of, Abbott Elementary, which was the winner, which in my opinion, I still stand behind that that was right. And then also like the actors and actresses that we saw winning too, like Jeremy Allen White won for his performance in The Bear, definitely deserved. Um, We saw Quinta Brunson winning for Best Actress in the Comedy Series. And then we also saw things like The White Lotus getting the hype that I also stand behind that it absolutely deserves. So I do think the Globes got it right. And um, I'm ready, AJ. Bring it. I mean, there's a couple things that you said that uh, are a little bit of head scratchers. Okay. Like, let's look at best drama series first and foremost. So, House of Dragon, House of the Dragon took it. But it was also up against Severance, Ozark, The Crown, and Better Call Saul. Now, in my mind, this is an instance where the cultural phenomena, the passion, the emotional, I guess, um, connection to Game of Thrones was a reason it won rather than being the best TV series out of all of them. Like Severance. Severance is a perfect example. Severance is one of the craziest fucking shows ever made, original top to bottom, like 10 out of 10 notes, but not a lot of notes. Weird. How does game? How does House of the Dragon overtake something so original as Severance? I mean, so here's where I, I agree in the sense that like everything that was nominated... But I do agree with you that I thought Severance was a way better drama. And I think the reason that House of the Dragon did take it was because of things like Game of Thrones. And because it is standing up well, 
as its own right now. But I do wonder, like, if Game of Thrones never came out and then we just released House of the Dragon up against Severance, I doubt it. I, yeah, I, I would. I'm surprised because usually, uh, from what I understand, season ones of anything don't usually win. They usually reward shows later seasons, even if the later seasons aren't as good, they kind of use it retroactively to reward the show. So I was shocked that Ozark didn't win just, or The Crown, just out of that. Like, to give a season one a winner. Uh, and if you're going to do season one as the winner, I would have gone Severance as well. I think Severance was the best drama. Uh, I liked House of Dragon. I don't mind it winning, but I think I'm I'm on Severance's team for that one. And the same thing with the comedy series. Like, I've heard, I can say confidently, transparently, I've never watched a single episode of Abbott Elementary. Mm -hmm. But as an outsider, I'm like, oh, like, have we not, there's been a good amount of shows about school, school life, typical comedies. Then you put it against something like The Bear or Hacks is amazing. I mean, I've heard great things about Only Murders in the Building. We're like, we're looking at truly original from the ground up scripts and concepts that are seems to be just pushed aside by just shit that everyone's seen before. Well, that I'm curious about that too, because I know Melissa is, I've not seen Abbott Elementary, but I know Melissa's a huge fan. So I want to know like what we're missing. Like, uh, like tell me more about Abbott Elementary in general. Yeah, should I go watch that as soon as, as soon as this is over? Do I have to go start watching that? Yeah, you do. A- Abbott is, it's so good. It's so like fresh and and I get it like right like we've seen that type of like documentary type series before like where they you know like the office and parks and rec so I agree like what do they do different and I think that the writing and the chemistry between that cast is so good and this kind of goes into the piece of me doing the research like Quinta Brunson who wrote it and stars in it started from like writing for BuzzFeed in her young 20s. Like, she moved to California, like, you know, and she just worked her way up. So I think there's kind of that emotional piece for me of why I love it so much. And I'm sitting there, like, audibly laughing out loud every week. And it's one of those shows that I keep going back and I'll, like, rewatch with, like, Ryan, who had never really seen it. And I'm like, I'll rewatch it with you. And then like, I just recently got someone else into it. And I'm like, I'll rewatch it with you. Like, it's one of those shows that I am just, I keep going back to. And every Wednesday at nine, when it's on, I need to watch it live. Like, I don't want to watch it the next day because it's just, it's so good. It's so good. Appointment viewing. We used to call that. I feel like it's award worthiness aside. Like it is just like, to me, the next chapter in like first we had the office then we have parks and rec now we have abbott elementary like it's the same format nobody's claiming that they're reinventing the wheel format wise but it is i would say as funny as any of those shows like the mockumentary style is like done perfectly it's just like don't overthink it like if you like those first two you will like the third what season is it in now is it in second or is it just the one season so far it's in the second yeah and how can it be watched if i were to watch it is on hulu or it's on hulu yeah hulu? you can okay. catch up but it's abc i want to say gotcha every week yeah. okay all right well you know what melissa you sold me i'll start watching a couple episodes tonight and we'll follow up next podcast on what that was like yeah i gotta try it i gotta try it i gotta try it my uh, my next question for you melissa it's you know, we talk about a lot of TV shows, including The Bear, sort of 
take over the the news cycle or the zeitgeist for like a few days where you're just getting texts from everybody in the world saying, did you watch this? Did you watch this? And sometimes that leads to exposure for, for, a, for a show that maybe wouldn't have gotten it. Uh, like Squid Game blew up. Like Squid Game as just a Korean show on Netflix, would it have sort of uh, been as popular as it is without sort of the, the social media aspect? I don't know. Uh, but then sometimes shows get super hyped up and then people watch them and it's like a dud. So I'm curious from you, as far as like the overhype goes, was there anything last year that you kept hearing about? So you checked it out and you realized it was overrated that we should avoid, even if it's constantly in our Instagram feed? Yeah, I mean, for me, this is the Jeffrey Dahmer story with Evan Peters. Uh, yep, and I definitely heard about it. It's hard. I just find, like, I'm someone that loves true crime. Like, I've watched a Ted Bundy documentary to, like, calm myself down once. Like, like <laughs> I love true crime, right? But to me, I just felt like this did not need to be made. And I watched one episode, and I felt so depressed after. Yeah. And the fact that, so Ryan Murphy, who created it, does a lot of this weird type of stuff like we know and he is brilliant in his own way but like he reached out to so many of the victims families and none of them wanted to comment none of them wanted to relive this so it's like why did we have to relive it and like evan peters like i i just hope he's in therapy now <laughs> like he's played how many of these terrible roles like yeah right i just for me, that was so, 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 so overhyped. And I just felt like it was so depressing. And it kind of like raised the question of like, are we okay as a society that we're just kind of like, now I want to be Jeffrey Dahmer for Halloween. Like that Amazon had to take down his glasses because so many people were buying. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Like it's, Jesus Christ. it's just, oh, it kind of then raises the question of like, what is wrong with us? Um, so to me, it was so overhyped and I just would be okay if I never saw that show again. Well, I think there's a difference to your point, Melissa, and I, I had a full blown argument with Hannah the other night about it. I was like, there is a difference between like a Dateline or a 2020 or, or like a, a documentary about something and then a dramatization of said events. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, documentaries are great and they can paint a picture about like what the what 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 social impacts were at the time. What was the culture like? What, things like that. How did this person or persons fit into the, you know, the world at that point? It's another thing to just say like, hey, let's make this weird kind of sexy drama about one of the most heinous people of all time. And Ryan Murphy, like I know he's a, a genius, but like. He's kind of a weird fucking dude, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his projects mm-hmm. can be hit or miss, I would say. Well, he's sure. on a, and the thing about him, which makes him who he is and probably why he's gotten so successful, he's unapologetic about like who he is, what he likes, and what he wants to do, which gets you certain places and pretty far. But then in other chance, it's like, you, you really didn't have to do this. And you probably should have stopped like American Horror Story like uh, four years ago. Absolutely. He's, he's so hit or miss for me. And like that American Horror Story, like, after season what five six like we we could have been done like it's yeah. still we're good we got it like we're scared like we're we're so done and and so yeah that for me was so overhyped and just 
not needed. My other sort of zeitgeisty question, this was at the end of last year, um, was Wednesday, the Wednesday Adams show. That I cannot uh, like avoid that show. Like I've seen that dance that she does. I've never watched the show, but I've seen that dance. I have I have it memorized. I can do it at this point. Uh, it just comes up on every feed I have. Let's see it <laughs> for the listeners. Uh, yeah, and her her and Jennifer Coolidge like they're just not. They won't go away right now. Well, I want to know from Melissa if you think that the, if that's worth if it's if it's worth it. Should I watch the Wednesday show? Like it's it's everywhere, and I and I don't know if it is worth that amount of attention or not or somewhere in between. I saw it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'll keep watching the second season. It was definitely a little overhyped. Like I, I agree with you. And like I went on my TikTok and like every video was the dance of her. And I'm like, we get it. It was like a kooky little dance. Like it's cool that Jenna Ortega is getting the recognition that she is because I think she's another one that's really good. And um, she choreographed that routine, which is kind of cool also. But that's neat. Yeah. You're right. Like it doesn't need to be thrown everywhere. And it just did really blow up because I think it resonated really well with like the Gen Z generation who threw it all over social media for everyone. But the show you would say is good. The show is good. Yeah. It it took me like one or two episodes, but it, it was kind of one of those that's like, you know, what, I'll keep going. And then it got better as it went along. And I'll definitely tune into the next season. But it, it wasn't in my top, I will say. What about the White Lotus? Is that worth it? Yeah, I never seen White Lotus either. It I mean, I think it is really, really well done. And Mike White, who like created, directed all that. Like I saw a tweet once that was like, um, Mike White is who Ryan Murphy thinks he is. Like Mike White, (laughs) like does just get it in my opinion. Um, And I liked that the two seasons did feel very different um, because that's what it is. It's like the first season there somewhere else, second season there in Italy. Um, And I think that he is, he brings in a really good cast and it's so interesting to see like how these stories are unfolding in just a week long vacation because that's all it is. It, they're there for a week. What, what's the tone of the show? Is it, a, is it a drama? Is it a dark comedy? Like, can you compare it to something? I would say it's dark comedy for sure. Okay. And this is where people sometimes struggle with it is it kind of like makes you a little uncomfortable at times. Like you're sitting there and you're like, um, like, like, what am I watching? Like, why is there this like music playing in the background? Um, and it's weird, but it is, it's done right. And like, I just think the way it's shot and I think the characters that he brings in and, and he like talks about the stories, I think it's, it's done really well in my opinion. It's crazy that Mike White, for those who don't know, um, he was like Jack Black's person in the mid to the early 2000s. So he wrote Orange County. He wrote School of Rock. He wrote Nacho Libre. He played Ned Schneebly in uh, School of Rock. That was him. Mike White is Ned Schneebly. 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 So it's crazy to see like this guy who everyone saw as just an extra or like a career writer for a subpar movies now has one of the most popular TV shows 
probably of the last 20 years, which is insane to think about. Hold on. No no shot. You just called School of Rock subpar. Oh, uh, well, no. School of Rock is a perfect movie. Incredible. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but no one knew who wrote, like, if you said, oh, who wrote School of Rock? Yes, they'd be like, oh, probably yeah. Jack Black and some really famous person. It was like, no, it was Mike White. Like, right, you know, right. shit like that. On, on the other side of things, on the non-Zeitgeist DPs, you know, there is so much content, new shows every week. I can't keep up with it half the time. Uh, I'm guessing there's got to be some shows from last year that you were watching, Melissa, that were like, why aren't people talking about this? Like, are there any hidden gems that, that we probably missed? I mean, there was a lot of shows that I feel like, like Severance, that, that is a big one. And that goes back to probably being one of my favorite shows that came out last year. And I think a good amount of people are talking about it, but going back to that comparing of like how House of the Dragon won over it, that was a way better first season and a brand new show. So I don't think enough people are talking about Severance yet. Like, I think we are as a group talking about it. But I mean, to me, that was and it took me some convincing actually to watch it, too. Like, I wasn't immediately hooked. And then once I started watching it, I was like, I'm an idiot for like doubting that this was a good show. So Severance for me was a big one last year. Um, Mindy Kaling has a show on HBO called The Sex Life of College Girls, which is kind of a a hidden gem, in my opinion, of like being really fun, um, kind of keeping up with the times. And it tells a story about four girls going through their first semester of college. And it's one of those like audibly like laugh about loud um, comedies for me. And it's just like 30 minutes. It's super quick. So I find it to just be really enjoyable. And another big one was Yellow Jackets. Uh, I don't know if you got into Yellow Jackets. I've heard the name a bunch of times. I did, ha- I did have a couple people recommend it, but I have not started. Yeah, that was a good one. And, you know, it, it's about a soccer team who is, ends up, like, crashing their plane on the way to, like, a tournament. And it's kind of all about, like, how did they survive? But it goes back and forth between them, like, being adults and then flashing back um to that time of like when they were trapped and there are some creepy things like you know cannibalism in it um oh boy cannibalism hot hot trend this year hot trend this year absolutely yuck as craig would say but you know we're gonna kind of dig into that as the story progresses um because it's you know the next season is is coming out in a couple months which i'm excited for but that to me was like a hidden gem like it got talked about and then won a couple awards and then didn't get talked about for a while. So I think that was a really, really good one. I wonder how much they're borrowing. I mean, they must be borrowing from the true story of the, from the movie Alive that's based on the true story from the soccer team that crashed. Do you remember that one from the 80s? Anybody seen that? No? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like they got to just be basically using mountains of Argentina. That's right. So they're probably just using that as like the concept and then obviously extrapolating their own story. Uh, Okay. Yeah, that's what I read um, when I started watching that. Is it? I think that it does have some loosely based things from that. Well, now we're in 2023. We are. Are we ever? The show I was most looking forward to this year is The Last of Us, which has already started, and I have many thoughts I'll eventually share on that. Uh, but for you, Melissa, is there anything that you are particularly looking forward to this year? Either a new show that has promise or a returning season of 
of a show you like? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my favorite shows are returning. So we've got Succession coming back in March. Yes. Which I am very excited for. They released the the teaser trailer today and I watched it twice, like in a row. Um, just because <laughs> nice. it, it looks so good and I can't wait. You on Netflix is coming back for a new season. Um, it's kind of like one of those shows that I, I wouldn't say is like, the best show out there but for me i've got to keep watching i have to see how this ends um so i'm I'm looking forward to that isn't that show another one of those like uh yeah like uh it's a sexy killer he's a really hot killer guy yeah it seems like it's kind of a thirst trap there melissa so what the fuck isn't that like Dahmer? yeah where's the line where's the line between that and, and Dahmer? i'm curious i haven't seen either i haven't seen either so i'm curious what the line is so you, okay, so um, it was actually based off a book, um, not a true story, but uh, he, I know, he just kind of is like a stalker and falls in love with this girl and like, you know, kind of madness ensues because he starts dating her and like, I don't want to go into it in case you kind of but it's just like the way that he narrates it throughout it. The it's Penn Badgley stars in it. He's got like a calming voice. It's it is bizarre. I, I get it. Like I'm sitting there watching that and I'm like, this is so relaxing. And then he like pulls out a knife and I'm like, what is wrong with me? As you drift <laughs> off to sleep. <laughs> no, yeah, like absolutely. Um, so that's going back. It sounds like the key detail here is that this is a fictional. Yeah, it sounds style like over stylized, yeah. not not gritty. But like, it's not based on a true story or anything. You said it's just like it's not based on a true story. Okay. It's okay. just right. a story about a creepy guy who kills yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. it's hmm. good. Um, hmm. uh, Outer Banks uh, on Netflix is also coming back. It's like a cheesy show that started off as like a group of teens trying to find a treasure. Um, as silly as that sounds, you you kind of have to watch it and take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> like, is the acting incredible? Not really. Um, do you kind of guess along the way? Like, you know what's going to happen next? Like, yes. But it's one of those that it's like almost so corny. It's like enjoyable. Does the treasure turn out to be the delicious taste of human flesh? <laughs> Surprisingly, no. Um, this one... Yeah, well, there has been a death, but not as bad. And there's no cannibalism, nothing like that. But who knows with this new season? Um, Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so I'm very excited for those to be coming back. And then today I just saw that they're coming out with a Bill Russell documentary. I heard that too, a two-parter, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So that looks really good. You know, it's about him as a a player and then also him, like, like, fighting with, like, you know who he was as a person and like social justice, all that incredible stuff. And, you know, more than just being a great basketball player. So I'm excited. Uh, Let's talk about last of us for a second, because I want to talk about it (laughs) and I'm selfish and it's my show. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love this show. So as of this recording, we're two episodes in, it is a super faithful recreation of the game. And I love the fact that the showmakers realize that good storytelling is good storytelling regardless of the medium. And you don't have to change it just because it's based on a video game and now it's TV. And so they are basically taking some of the cutscenes from the game and basically recreating them shot for shot, dialogue for dialogue. And it was already my favorite video game of all time. And they are doing it such justice with Pedro Pascal as Joel. 
And I am in love with the show. Like, love, 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 love. Uh, and I know, Melissa, you mentioned you don't even know if you're going to keep watching it. So I'm curious. Whoa. Curious. I'm guess. I don't know if this is the the the, the gamer versus non-gamer difference because I'm curious what the outside perspective is. Because again, I've played the game three plus times. I, I know it by heart. So I'm in love with it. And I don't know what, if it's an outsider perspective um, difference for you. Yeah, I, d- I did mention that. And I think it's good. And it's not necessarily like the gamer aspect of it as to why I thought, but like, it was creepy. Like the creatures in the library to me, I was like, I had to kind of watch with like one eye and I was like, how much of this am I going to have to keep seeing? But I agree. Like, I think it is a good story and I love Pedro Pascal. So he's kind of the reason I'm going to keep going, I would say. I feel like the one thing that's been missing from the show, and I don't know, Melissa, how you do with like just overall gratuitous violence, but I think the 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 best part about the game or one of like the underlying themes of the game was like the world has gone to shit and it's us against the virus, but it's actually like humanity is far worse than what that virus has done to people. And like there's a lot of person on person crime and violence and it feels like they're completely omitting that and focusing solely on the fungus's kind of uh takeover of humans rather than the the crazy the craziness that happens to people when the world goes to shit i i think that's i'm fine with that change though so far i think they'll get there i think for the video game purposes, you need a variation of enemies and you need more difficult enemies that can shoot back at you. So uh, in the game, there is a lot of killing of other people. But in the show, I, I feel like if they were murdering other humans at this point in the show, it would feel a little off. So I don't mind the change they've made so far, especially in episode two, to have that sequence in the game. You'd be against people. In the show, it was against infected. But I think they need to make sure they do hit those major plot points that do involve other humans, to your point, to make sure the theme lands. Like, he, he does it He does it at the end of episode one, but, like, it. I don't think they, they when, when he, I mean, spoilers, you know, when he takes out that guard with his bare hands, like, it's right. raw and gruesome, but they just kind of, like, onwards and upwards from here, folks. And it's like, no, you just kill the fucking <laughs> dude with your bare hands, bro. Like, let's let that settle in for a little bit. They'll revisit. I think I think it'll be part of the show. But uh, AJ, any other questions for our special guest? No, I just want to thank her for uh, dealing with us and. Uh, yep, good point. Taking time out of your day and sharing your knowledge, um, Melissa. Do you have like a, a public Twitter? Like, do you do you tweet a lot about TV? Yeah, like, what's your shameless plug? Yeah, what do you want to plug? Oh, um, I I don't like. I've got a Twitter. I think I'm really funny on it. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I think you're funny on it too. I back that. You know, I, I but you don't have to follow me because what's your Twitter? What's the handle? What's the handle? So okay, I hate the handle. Oh god! But it's child's play. But after you had to, I had to add three Y's because child's play was like taken, and then like sure. the more you know, so it's. Childs and then P L A Y Y Y Y. Four Y's total, three additional. Three, okay, y's. yeah, I was thrown by that. Three additional, four total. Four Y's. So child's I understand. I understand. play. I understand. Four Y's total. Four Y's total. Child's play, four Y's. Add her on Twitter. 
She fucking tweets hot fire. She's now our resident TV expert. It's basically the Today Show. We're going to bring you in when we want to talk TV. Melissa Childs, thank you. Thank you so much. For gracing us with your presence today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really feel honored. I hope that the audience, you know, respects my opinions. So they better. They won't, but it's okay. You just got to learn how to deal <laughs> with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure I'll have haters of like, why was she on? Like, I could have talked way better. And I'm like, well, again, you're garbage and I'm not. So that's why I made it on. <laughs> Nailed it. Perfect. Um, AJ, we'll, we'll close out with um, our usual. What are we watching soon? Yes. There's a couple things. I need to get caught up on all of the Best Picture uh, nominees in the next few weeks. So my plan is they slowly trickle on iTunes this time of year and they, they fucking charge an absorbent amount of money to do so. But um, I'm going to watch those. And then to Child's point that she made earlier, um, I am torqued for this season of Succession. I didn't think it was going to come out that early. And um, I am continuing to watch and be a part of uh, Last of Us. And even my wife um, has been watching it, too. Um, so, yeah. Can I ask a question about Last of Us? How many? Ep- what are we dealing with episode total? It's like a, it's a mini series, right? Uh, so it'll be nine episodes. Um, okay. That's a regular season. I do not know for sure if it is going to end up sticking as a miniseries or becoming a series. At the rate they're going, I have heard people talk about uh, multiple seasons, potentially. It's going slow or it's going fast? A little bit slower than the game. Yeah. I, I was hoping that they would do truly a two-season a two season run and breaking it up by the... Because there's two parts of the game. There's part one and part two. I was hoping it would just be a limited two-season run, but like Bill said, it's going pretty fucking pretty slow i could i i could see it ending up being about four seasons like two seasons per game um and the fact that it is so popular and in fact increased viewership 20 percent week over week which is rare usually a show drops off potentially like they went up a lot of word of mouth tells me it's successful enough that they know they can get more seasons so i wouldn't be surprised if they if it ends up being more i had thought that i had all, nothing but star wars on my horizon but now i've now learned that i should be looking for my next show. Oh yeah, Last of Us for sure. It's good, and like the showrunners are doing a really good job of filling in some contextual stuff that the game doesn't go into, like how the virus starts, and like they have these flashbacks, very Chernobyl esque, in the beginning of each episode that kind of like gives you a little bit of contextual and historical knowledge that I think, as a departure from the game, is a really smart uh, way of kind of educating the audience and, and making sure that like there is some story behind this rather than just like a video game TV show. I love that addition. Um, yeah, I so they did announce the Best Picture nominations for the uh, 95th Academy Awards, which we'll get to in a future episode. But I, like you, want to round them out. I've seen nine out of the ten. So there's one left. I have to see Women Talking, and I have a ticket for it next week, so I will have seen all ten. And then I also have a ticket for Knock at the Cabin and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. So those are on my docket to discuss in a future episode and to be clear there is there is no should that this week you saw zero zero movie uh the only thing i watched that was new was the pale blue eye which was a netflix uh original film and i gave it a yes on the site and i thought it was good christian bale but i don't don't need to get super into it fair enough but you did not you did not walk into a movie theater in the last two weeks i did not i mean we've talked about sort of the seasonal aspect of film releases and january february is always the worst month for film 
you know, it's too late to be nominated for an Oscar this year and it's too early to be remembered for next year. So this is when studios just dump whatever projects they have. And so January, February have been tough. And I've been looking. I have been looking. I'm sure. And I just have not had anything want, you know, want to drive me to the theater. So hopefully by the next episode, we'll have a couple things. Uh, at the very least, women talking and knock at the cabin. Fabulous. But thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Should I Go See It podcast. Please make sure to follow on Instagram at Should I Go See It. Uh, follow Melissa on Twitter at Child's Play, four Ys. And buy some merch at shouldigoseeit.redbubble.com. Bye.